0: You're listening to The Fully Occupied Show, presented by Occupier. Hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning into The Fully Occupied Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite listening platform. Uh, Today's episode, we have Jason Hardy. Jason is the co-founder and CEO of ONLY. That is O-W-N-L-Y. ONLY is a frictionless home buying platform that connects home builders and sellers with uh, people who are looking to purchase their home a lot of the times for the first time. Uh, The pandemic really accelerated uh, ONLY's platform because people were unable or unwilling Uh, to get in their car and go to open houses and walk through 10 houses before they figured out what they wanted to do, uh, much less get through the uh, highly wrought with friction process of buying a house. So what ONLY does is it digitizes that experience, uh, kind of like Shopify, and gives the home buyer the ability to browse click and buy a home right online Uh, it's pretty fascinating how fast they've been able to uh, grow uh, especially over the last two or three years Uh, and jason breaks down their business model and why he thinks uh, residential real estate is one of the last uh, b2c uh, markets uh, that is ripe for disruption Uh, we hope you enjoy Uh, jason has a great background going back 21 years uh, and he is zooming in directly from calgary enjoy hey jason welcome to the fully occupied show thanks for joining us
1: matt great to be here man big fan
0: yeah likewise i uh i i think what you guys are doing is super cool let's let's dive into that in a second but why don't we um learn a little bit a little bit about you uh give us your background
1: yeah, a little bit of background on me, I've spent the past 21 years uh, working in the real estate sector, serving almost every asset class of the real estate industry, predominantly I'd say in the residential world, which is, you know, coincidentally where only is focused. Um, you know, I'm a, a teacher, I teach in the MBA program at the Haskane School of Business at the University of Calgary, and, you know, incredibly passionate about real estate, but uh, you know, started only two years ago after 16 years running a real estate research and marketing uh, consultancy here in Canada.
0: Cool. Um, so tell us about only what's the mission. What does the company do? How do you make money? What What is the problem you're solving for, for, yeah. for all the, the users out there?
1: Yeah. So for us, you know, we're trying to create trust and transparency in the buying process of residential real estate. Um, and you know, uh, the best example that, you know, we were compared to months ago, which I still kind of cling on to, I like it, it's aspirational is, you know, the Shopify for real estate, you know, we looked around and after spending, you know, 21 years serving this industry, uh, we didn't quite understand. and I never understood why real estate was truly the last B 2 C industry on earth that had digitized the buying process. And we thought there was a major opportunity to do so there's a ton of redundancy a lot of friction unnecessary friction in the buying process of residential real estate and you could say the same thing for commercial you know we get asked all the time why are you not doing this for commercial and you know as a a prop tech startup you need to stay focused and be in your lane but what we're really trying to do is bring trust and transparency to an industry that desperately needs it and you know we're doing that with a a product or only verified product um, that essentially connects qualified sellers with qualified buyers and takes that pre-qualification verification process and digitizes the whole thing. And it happens in a matter of minutes, as opposed to a number of hours.
0: So if I'm a seller of a house or a condo or, you know, a residential unit, um, what am I trying to verify?
1: So there's a few key components that unlock a customer's ability to be able to transact a piece of real estate. So first and foremost uh, is identity credential verification. That's number one. It's the biggest issue facing the residential industry globally is fraud. And uh, identity credential verification is critical. The next piece is creditworthiness. The next piece is financial And then the last piece is like current home valuation. So it's taking essentially a four to five stage verification process and digitizing it into a three minute experience that allows the seller to essentially sell more homes a lot faster with a lot less resources.
0: Got it. So we're not necessarily talking about like the individual homeowner, like the the family that owns a house. Are we talking about larger scale um, home builders that are looking... To sell multiple units, is that who the target audience is? Yeah, like
1: I would say, our target audience is uh, definitely the large volume production developer builder. Uh, and I would say even bigger than that because you know, most of the larger projects or developers are represented by uh brokerages and agent teams. So, our target audience would definitely be REITs, would definitely be um, uh would definitely be uh, large scale development companies and then large brokerages that are, you know, transacting hundreds, if not thousands of units per year. And, you know, typically in those cases, there's an entire department, uh, there's, you know, at a department of three to five to 10 people that are responsible for pre-qualifying, uh, or verifying customers. And it's a really tedious, very manual process that has not evolved or changed in over 50 years.
0: Yeah. Like, Yeah, I'm looking at it from that perspective. If I'm like a major developer or whatever, and I need to move hundreds, if not thousands of units a year, because that's my business plan, right? Um, What's my hit ratio on deals that actually get done? Because it sounds to me like what, you know, let's just say I built a high-rise condo building here in Boston and I want to sell them. Um, I have a hundred units or whatever. Uh, That means I'm going to be marketing the hell out of these properties, right? So there's a whole marketing element of it. But then once you actually get potential buyers in the door, you know, there's the risk that these people won't transact, which means I sit on these properties even longer, which means I'm paying debt on property that I've developed, which means, you know, I'm not getting the income that I'm trying to get from selling these units. Like why do deals die? Like what percentage of deals die? Like how big of a problem is this?
1: Well, you're seeing the news all over the place right now. If you look at Inman or Real Deal, you know, there's stories and articles that are coming out on a weekly basis, you know, in particular in the south, uh, you know, the southern United States right now, we're seeing 50% of deals are falling apart in the 11th hour. 50%. Now, that's definitely a sign of the times of where we are right now with high interest rates and a bit of a uh, subdued market where the market is, you know, absolutely cooled off. It's a lot more difficult where salespeople actually have to be able to sell today as opposed to, you know, four and five months ago, Uh, it was very, very easy. And so um, the challenge that exists in the market right now is that um, there is a lot of work, you know, there's a lot of work that needs to happen. So when that that customer that prospective purchaser comes in to buy that particular home and establishes a relationship with that salesperson only verified becomes a sales enablement tool Um, and if you look at that verification or the pre-qualification process that exists when a consumer is buying real estate it's really um it's a process that's very uncomfortable It's uncomfortable for the purchaser you know nobody wants to sit in front of a complete stranger and if you look at you know buying the the action of buying a home no matter how many homes that you've bought whether it's your first time buying a home or your fifth time the process of getting qualified or verified to buy a home is has never gotten any easier whatsoever and so we look at that process and there's a lot of friction a lot of redundancy that can be removed and we look at that piece of the puzzle And it's the piece that, from a sales perspective, it's salespeople don't want to be doing it. Um, They would rather be focused on what they do best, which is selling. Close the deal. They don't want to be doing the administrative work. And from the consumer perspective, they would rather be going through that verification, pre-qualification process on their own time, on their own device, from the comfort of their own home. And so it really is a win-win for both parties it becomes becomes a more comfortable process and it allows the salesperson to essentially focus on more quality customers, sell more homes with less resources required to do so.
0: So from the purchaser's perspective, do you have an interface that I, I would interact with to basically prove my verification? So I'm thinking about, you know, last time I bought a place it was like, you gotta get pre-approved for a loan. So you gotta talk to a mortgage, broker or a bank and you're gonna get that pre-approval letter so that someone will take you seriously when you go to the yeah. open house and you're willing to make an offer. Now it's probably a different market than it was like you said six months ago. You're not going at least at least where I live, you're not walking into open houses anymore and people are calling offers by the end of the day no. and there's seven offers that are all over ask. So you you're either in the game or you're out. Now it That's sounds right. like it's a different. little bit more yeah, it's different, right? Um, so I have to get pre-approved for a loan. Which means I have to give up all of my financial information to somebody, yes. right? Eventually. Yes. I have to show them my last two months of bank statements, my paychecks, any other, you know, debt that I have. You're you're burying your soul financially, oh. essentially, to not only the bank, but also the person that you're buying this house from. Absolutely. So.
1: You're, you're jumping through absolute hoops of fire. And there's no doubt about it when the market was the way it was six months ago. And it will come back to that. There's no doubt about it. We'll get back to a hot market, but the way that it was before verified was a really powerful tool because it allowed the essentially the cream to rise to the top. Um, yeah. You know, think of verified as a verification tool of giving you almost like a, global entry pass or a priority pass that gets you to the front of the line so if you have 100 people in line to buy a condo or buy a limited number of condos that sales team or that developer or broker can focus on those that are verified buyers versus those that are not for greater certainty and being able to close those transactions in the current market that we're in right now where sales are slower traffic is slower you know you can't put up barriers that are going to stop a purchaser from buying from you. You know, if you ask them to become a verified buyer, you know, somebody would say, well, they'll just go across the street and, and, and buy from someone who doesn't ask me that. So in this particular case with the market that we, that currently exists what we're finding is the seller is still generating the lead and building that rapport and that relationship with the prospective purchaser. And once they've done that, instead of sitting with them for three hours in a presentation center or sales or leasing center, they simply send them the only verified link. The customer takes their time, they get verified. And when the customer gets verified, the seller gets a notification. This buyer is now a verified buyer and they know with almost absolute certainty that that sale has the ability to close.
0: Yeah. Is there a world that exists where you could actually start to predict who the highest paying buyer is going to be for your house? Because I think the the verification is one piece of it, but also the 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 pricing is probably another piece of it. I I would think, like, and I've sold a house before, and you always have that moment when you're ready to accept an offer. You're like, ah, could we get a little bit more? Is, this, is, right. is there somebody out there that's going to walk in with all cash and pay another couple hundred grand more? Yeah. That's like the ultimate... You know, a question that I think sellers are always asking themselves, is there an element to only where you could actually start to aggregate some of this information and have more predictive pricing? Absolutely.
1: I mean, at the end of the day, the verified profile that we end up creating provides you know unprecedented insights into consumer buy behaviors and shopping preferences. And so inevitably, verified is really a tool that unlocks a customer's ability to be able to purchase a home. And so when we look at digitizing the buying process for real estate, it begins with a verification of the buyer to ensure that they have the ability to close. And then it opens up that gateway that says, now you can make an offer on this home. Now you can place a deposit and so there is you know in the case of six months ago when the market was really busy and you're seeing competing offers it definitely opens up the opportunity to allow for multiple offers what we call it like a a transparent bidding process and there's already players um, in the us and canada that have moved into that market and done a really really great job open negotiation being one of them dorsey uh, in canada there's unreserved there's a number of companies that are purely uh, transparent bidding platforms. And, you know, I think with a verification, you know, a buyer verification in place, all of a sudden somebody coming in with a higher offer can be taken quite seriously.
0: Yep. Um, I'm just kind of spitballing here, but this is fascinating to me because I've I've gone through this process a couple of times. The From the from the seller's perspective, now, if we're talking about new construction, probably property inspections aren't as big of a deal as if you're buying like a, you know, a second generation or an older house. Correct. Um, but there's definitely a world that needs to be uh, updated in terms of the time period between when you put your deposit down and you actually close. So much happens oh. in that. And it's so manual in... And- <laughs> just painful, right? And you're always sitting on pins and needles cause you're like, hopefully the inspection doesn't bring back, you know, bring up something that is just gonna kill this deal. Right. It would be amazing if like homes could be verified as well. Right? Like yeah. this home can be verified that, you know it works the way it's being sold. Like there's no structural problems. There's no, you know, liens that need to be cleared. You know, the person who's selling me this property actually owns it. Like all of those things that you need to kind of clear in order to actually get to the close. Is that part of the process incorporated in your platform or is there, will it be?
1: I, I would say right now, no, I say, but I would say what you're speaking to is probably one of the fundamental, you know, shortcomings or Achilles heels of the industry right now is a lack of communication. You know, it feels like, you know, all of a sudden you sign that offer to purchase and then everything goes radio silent and you're waiting on pins and needles, waiting for somebody to give you an update on the home inspection or insurance or registration or whatever it may be. And so part of our platform is creating one unified shopping cart experience where all of the communication takes place. And Mm -hmm. so I would say today are we providing updates on the status of the property inspection no but would that be something that could be entertained down the road absolutely i mean there's so much opportunity in terms of removing redundancy and friction from the buying process like from the time you decide to make an offer on a home to the decide the time you actually close on that home there are 12 different steps most of those are all being done manually and physically, where you're getting into your car, you're driving to the mortgage broker, you're going to the salesperson, you're going to the bank, you're going back to the mortgage broker, back to the salesperson. So there is a a huge opportunity in terms of eliminating some of these unnecessary friction points and steps in the process.
0: Yeah, Um, let's talk a little bit about the macro environment right now. Obviously we touched a little bit on the, the, the rising interest rate environment that we're living in. Um, I would, I would imagine it's somewhat regional in terms of like how bad prices are becoming depressed and where there is inventory and where there's supply constraint and stuff like that. Um, if you were to take out your crystal ball and look over the next like five years, what are you gonna, what, what do you think is gonna play out in the residential uh, real estate space?
1: I still think, you know, despite what what what's happening in the market right now, you know, being in real estate for 21 years and it, I live and breathe real estate. I'm infatuated by it. I absolutely love it. You know, real estate goes up and down, but it goes up and down as it goes up, you know, so it has ups and downs, but it has ups and downs as it continues to rise. And across the US and Canada, there's still a housing shortage. You know, there still are not enough homes for people to live in, period. Um, So despite supply chain constraints, um, despite uh, commodity price fluctuations, you know, impacting things like lumber and glass and other, you know, pieces that need to be, you know, included in homes, I think, you know, we're going to see, you know, continued demand for new housing. I think what's happened right now with the rise in interest rates, which we'll see over the next kind of year, it's going to increase pressure on the purpose-built rental market. A lot of people that, you know, were hoping to buy a home are being kept in or moving into the rental market because they don't have the ability to buy that new home. So we're seeing unprecedented demand for uh, rental and purpose-built rental product across the U.S. and Canada, so I think that will continue. But you know, on a map from a macro perspective, um, I think we will see continued demand for housing in the U.S. and Canada, despite the ups and downs and interest rates and you know this, the discussion of potential recessions and what have you. I think that you know a home and the desire to own a home is always at the cornerstone of most families. You know, most families in a perfect world would love to own a home and i think i don't think that demand is going away and i think there's incredible innovations taking place uh, on the purpose built rental side on the for sale side in both single and multifamily uh that are making you know the dreams of home ownership incredibly desirable uh, you know for generations to come
0: uh, yeah i think i agree with that i obviously real estate is a cyclical business and it goes up, it goes down, but I like what you said, which is like, it always kind of steadily goes goes up. And I think that's what the allure is to owning a home is that, you know, owning real estate for a long period of time is one of the most, you know, foolproof ways to, to, you know, build wealth or to, to, you know, to make money. Um, But yeah, you're right. Like we're in this spot where it's, there's, there's, the other shoe hasn't dropped yet. So are we going to have this massive gross recession where no one's going to do anything? How high will rates go? Um, these are all factors, but I think at the end of the day, people want to generally move out of that rental. There was this trend back, I don't know how many years ago, maybe I'm thinking this was longer ago than it actually was where everybody thought that, uh, homeownership didn't matter anymore that people were just going to be digital nomads and they were going to like rent here and no one is no one cared everyone just wanted to live in a city and rent an apartment right but then the pandemic happened and at least in my world people of my age started fled out to the suburbs and started buying houses so it was just a complete opposite reaction to what everybody was predicting um what's your take on that
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, the pandemic definitely expedited consumer demand for more frictionless experiences and, you know, only was born out of the pandemic. You know, we launched the company with our MVP in the middle of 2019, pre-pandemic. And I remember going to 15 developers with this concept of, hey, what do you think about digitizing the verification and buying process for buying a home? And I got 15 straight no's, man. 15 developers looked at me like I was crazy, like I was trying to sell them on a flying car. And uh, they said, why would I do this? We, it's been working very well for us for the past 40 to 50 years. Leave me alone. Neat idea, Jason, but more of a novelty and a gimmick, less than something that would be actually um, something that could be realistic and feasible. But then all of a sudden, March 2020 hits, and the pandemic comes and to your point, Matt, those that were living in the city were flocking to the suburbs. Those that were living in the suburbs were buying an acreage and everybody else was looking for a rec property, knowing, not knowing how long we were going to be stuck in this pandemic and thinking working from home was going to become the norm. And, you know, people wanted more space and they looked around at their one bedroom or two bedroom condo or apartment in the city and thought, I can't do this anymore. You know, I can't tell you The number of friends that I had that, you know, lived in New York that lived on the Upper West Side or the Lower East Side, they all moved to Connecticut, (laughs) you know, after March of 2020, within a year and a half. I think, you know, you know, probably I don't know what the percentage is, but a decent percentage of of the the population that lived in the city were looking to move to the burbs. And, you know, that's where they live now. Do they regret those decisions now that the city's opened up again? Probably. Um, But, you know, I think the consumer the consumer demand for frictionless experiences really expedited tenfold as a result of the pandemic. And now, you know, it becomes very normal to pull up to a grocery store and for them to load your groceries into the back of your vehicle. It becomes normal to have our groceries and our Costco orders and, and a lot of the things that we uh, buy today to have them delivered to our home. It's now become, you know, uh, it's become normal. And I think what has happened is consumer demand has created – The death of the salesperson. And I I say this, you know, very carefully, but I don't think I think what the pandemic did is that it, it made people much more confident in their ability to educate themselves, to do their research and due diligence on the purchases they're going to make in advance of buying it. And so now, you know, we have all the information and knowledge we need at our fingertips to be able to do our own research, to do our own due diligence. So by the time we go in to buy something, you already know exactly what it is that you're looking for, you know what the price is, and you can trust that 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 item is exactly what you wanted. And you're not looking for a salesperson to sell you, you're looking for a trusted advisor. You're looking for someone that can validate the decision that you're looking to make. And I think that's the fundamental change that the pandemic has had on the buying process for buying homes is that people aren't just going and wandering the neighborhood and walking in and out of sales and leasing and presentation centers. They have the ability to do their research and due diligence in advance online. And when they've made the decision that this is what they want to buy, they're looking for that trusted advisor, that customer experience advisor to help them through the process.
0: Yeah, it's very much like you know, booking a flight in the early 90s, right? You used a travel agent <laughs> yeah. and that person told you where you could go, how much it's going to cost, what you're going to do when you land, how you're going to get around, all that stuff where you could just figure that out on the internet literally in 10 minutes now. Um, yes. Obviously, the home buying process isn't as... we um,
1: are not there you yet. Know, we're not there yet,
0: but in, even in my side of the industry in commercial real estate, I'd say we're probably even further behind the residential space, but it's like technology is starting to become really empowering for the buyer and the seller. And it's, it's very, you you hit the nail on the head on the commercial leasing side. The the broker is now has always been, but is much more distilled down into a trusted advisor. Like, okay, I'm at the point where I have all the information I need, you know, thank you for getting me to this point if you helped, but now I need you to tell me how do, how do we get this deal done? Like what, what are my options here? Um,
1: you know, our our yep. inspiration for only actually came from my experience in the last vehicle. I went 13 years without buying a, a new vehicle. I drove the same vehicle for a long time, and being up here, and I'm in Alberta, Canada. And if you know that, it's a bit of a cowboy country. So you know, you don't live here without having a pickup truck. I bought my last vehicle, a uh, pickup truck, completely online. I went to the dealership and picked it up. I was there for 15 minutes. And it was that experience that inspired the creation of only thinking, you know what, if, you know, that is a a large, you know, that's a, that's a, a very expensive purchase, a vehicle, I'd say second to a home, but if I could go through that buying process almost exclusively online, why shouldn't I be able to have that same type of experience in buying a home. And that was really the precipice, uh, that created only at the beginning was going through that and saying, why shouldn't we be able to have a similar frictionless experience in being able to buy a home? There was no reason for it not to happen.
0: Yeah. Is there anything worse than like going into the car dealership and like deciding on the car that you're going to buy only to think that you're done with the sale, but then they bring you back to the manager's office when they start to upsell you all the different packages and tire tire, uh, options and service options. And then you're like, Wait, and Wait, I thought the number was the number. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I guess not. Uh, and you end up st- spending the whole day there. The whole day. <laughs> Just- and you
1: know what? And, and, and take that experience and multiply that by 10. And that's what it is with the home. You know, like right. in our industry, 94% of the residential, the new construction residential industry doesn't put pricing online. So, you know, they lure buyers in by saying homes from the low 300s. And then you get into your car with your wife or your partner and you get into that sales center and you're like, hey, I'm looking, you know, you said you had, you know, condos from the low 300s and they give you a bit of a smirk and a laugh. And they're like, oh, sorry, we had two of those and we sold them six months ago. Everything is $600,000 and up. And, you know, you walk out with your tail between your legs and feeling a little bit embarrassed because it's now, you know, you're not qualified. It was out of your price point. And so, you know, that the pandemic really did expedite consumer demand for transparency and looking for trust and being able to go online and build and price a home and knowing exactly what it's going to cost. So by the time they go and speak to that salesperson, they're not, you know, there's not sticker shock or a surprise as to what that price actually is.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We'll get to a point some point where you could literally click and put it in your shopping cart, maybe, maybe someday.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's coming. Like we're doing it now. We have customers on the platform right now that are using only to sell their homes. Um, They're using only to get verified. They're taking a home. They're putting it into their shopping cart. They're placing a deposit. They're signing a uh, reservation agreement and they're closing the transaction online. So it's coming. Um, We're already doing it, but I would say that, you know, the, the real estate industry is notoriously old school. You know, it's it's you know unarguably one of the most archaic old school industries on the planet. There's a ton of opportunity for innovation and disruption and growth, and it's just going to take time.
0: Yep, amen to that. Um, awesome, Jason. Let's uh, let's jump into some rapid fire questions here. Uh, yeah. One minute, one minute answers. I'm going to throw five at you. Sure. Um, I, I'm going to add lib real quick. Uh, based on your car comment. So question number one is what type of pickup truck do you drive now?
1: Uh, so right now I drive a uh, Toyota Tacoma and I've got a, a, a GMC Yukon as well.
0: Oh, nice. Nice. Did yeah. you get the Tacoma lifted up at all? Or so you could go off? Yeah, <laughs> I have
1: a little bit of a lift kit on it for sure.
0: Nice. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Question yeah. two. Um, c- can you describe your your perfect day for us?
1: Yeah, my perfect day would probably be waking up and and doing some form of cardio exercise. I think when you get into your 40s, you don't have much of a choice. So I start with a little bit of cardio and a little bit of meditation, and I get my kids off to school. And and then usually it's just a a series of of back-to-back meetings and discussions with advisors and partners. I think being in a prop tech startup like we're in right now, um, I'm a highly coachable human being, and I need to be. So... I surround myself with some pretty incredible mentors and advisors, uh, in my life that are helping me make the right decisions. And so, um, and then at night, you know, I, I finish the work day and my kids play lacrosse. So I'm taking the, uh, the kids to lacrosse usually every night for a game or a practice.
0: Awesome. Yeah. And then you do it all over the next day. Uh, exactly. question three, uh, if you were reincarnated in another life as an animal, what animal would you be?
1: Wow. Huh. You know, it's huh, a really, really good question. Um I think I'd probably come back as a tiger. You know, I you know, one of one of the king the kings of the uh of the of the jungle and uh very respected and very fast and regal and cunning and smart and uh they never really they don't rest very often, so either that or a shark, but <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. Some, some apex predator. I can feel that coming yeah, out of you. Yeah. Unless yeah, you're a lion. Lions like sleep all day and eat, which is actually yeah. pretty sweet too, you know?
1: Yeah. yeah and I'm not, I'm not that type. I'm not the one to kind of sit back and sleep all day. So I wouldn't choose the lion, probably a shark or a tiger. I would probably go.
0: All right. Question four, since we're on the topic of food, um, what's your favorite cuisine and why? Oh
1: man. I'm a real sucker for Korean Uh, I love Korean. Probably a close second would be Japanese, but uh, I think uh, Korean food is great. There's such a wide variety. Um, You know, it's got some amazing, like eclectic flavors, and there's a lot of fusion in Korean. Uh, But you know, I I think I think Korean food is probably top of my list.
0: Have you seen that uh, Netflix show, The Chef's Table, like the Pizza season, where there's a Korean chef? I'm I'm blanking on her name, but she took Korean cuisine and like put it on pizzas. It's in like Minneapolis. So I think that would be right up your alley. You should check that out. I will watch
1: that this weekend.
0: (laughs) All right. Final question, which is our standard question. Um, It's been great having you on the show. We learned a ton. Like who else would you recommend that we have on as a guest?
1: I mean, there's some uh, phenomenal disruptors uh, in the industry right now. One guy that I think is doing amazing things in the industry is a gentleman by the name of John Sicilian from Sicilian and partners. Um, you know, just absolutely brilliant. He's in uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, Sicilian is really disrupting and changing the way in which land development is brought to market and uh, how consumers and developers interact with uh, land. And uh, he's doing some just amazing things at that company. So I'd say John Sicilian would be a guy that I think is uh, making some huge waves in the industry and will continue to do
0: so. Cool. Well, Jason, thanks for joining the show. It's been awesome having you on. Um, if, if our guests wanted to find you, how would they do that?
1: Yeah, they can do that via, you know, LinkedIn is probably the best. I'm not on any other social media platforms with the exception of LinkedIn. Uh, so you can find us uh, only. It's O-W-N-L-Y on LinkedIn or myself, Jason Hardy, and then on our website as well, which is theonly.io.
0: Awesome. Jason, thanks for uh, coming on. Best of luck to you.
1: Matt, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Take care. See ya.